Now, we're in our series called Questions, and what I've tried to do each week is kind of give you a, a question that somebody in our church asked. You know, for several weeks I handed out the little piece of paper and I said, if you could ask God one question, what would that be? Here's the question that I wanted to share with you today. Why do I get led down a wrong path and have to back up to head down the right path? Um, last week we, we started looking at something we're calling the best question ever. It's from Andy Stanley's book. The best question ever. And if you want more information on living wisely, I would suggest you get that book. Read it from cover to cover. It's an, it's an easy read. It's about ten bucks. Um, but that's where most of this material came from. Now what we said last week was, anybody remember the best question ever? Is it the wise thing to do? Alright, two of you remembered. I'm doing good. Um, what we said was, Considering my past, where I have come from, the circumstances of my past, and that each of us is unique. We all have our own experiences that we go through. So none of us has exactly, we might have the same um, interests, we might have the same passion, we could even have the same spiritual gifts given to us from God, but our experiences, we've been down different paths, so we might react to something differently because of our past. We said, um, considering my past, where I have been, what is the wise thing for me to do? If I struggle with alcohol in the past, what is the wise thing for me to do today? If I struggle with pornography in the past, what is the wise thing for me to do today? And then we said, the next section was considering my present circumstances. What is the wise thing for me to do? So if I'm in a situation now um, uh, where I have children or I'm in a certain season of life or whatever, what is the wise thing for me to do right now in this season of life? And then the third area we looked at was considering my future hopes and dreams. What I want to be able to say to my children when they're older. What I want to say, if you're not married, what you want to say to your future spouse. And what you want your future spouse to be able to say to you. Considering your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And, and that's the best question ever. And if you will learn to ask it and answer it and follow the advice that you get from that, then you will foolproof your decisions in the future. You won't have to ask this question, why do I get led down the wrong path? Because the reason you got led down the wrong path, it wasn't God's fault. It was your fault. If we're just going to be really honest, you made the choice, but I'm willing to bet you didn't ask what was the wise thing to do. And we discovered that the wise thing to do, or this question comes from Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, which says this, So be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely. Use every chance you have for doing good, because these are evil times. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. So we said we've got to be careful. Um, like we're at the on the edge of a ledge, we've got to be careful or we're going to fall off. Or we showed you the uh, copperhead that bit Jeff's daughter a few weeks ago, and we said you've got to be careful where you step, or you might get bit, get bit by evil things that are all around us. Our society is not encouraging us to live a wise life. Our society is encouraging us to live like a fool. And so we said, you've got to be very, very careful where you step. And then we started looking at a verse that we were memorizing, and I'm sure all of you put this verse to heart, and you're going to use it every day for the rest of your life. But just in case you've forgotten, we're going to put it on the screen again. It's Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Now... Today we're going to look at what is the wise thing to do with my time. Time is a, is a precious commodity. Um, if you don't believe me, I want you to consider this. 
you can run out of money, and some of, some of us do every month before the end of the month. We run out of money. And, and magically, somehow we're able to make a little bit more the next month. So you can run out of money, and you can still make more money. You can run out of friends, and you can make more time. You can, you can lose your house, and you can still get another house. But if you run out of time, that's it. You don't get to save time. And I want you to look at what the Bible says about that in Job 14.5. Our time is limited. You have given us only so many months to live and set limits we cannot go beyond. You don't save time. The best you can do is hope to manage the time that you have. Once you run up against that limit, God says you can't exceed that limit. So your days on earth are going to come to an end. The best you can do is live out Ephesians 5.15-17 and live a wise way. Um, you know, I've done a lot of funerals and I've been to a lot of hospitals and I've watched people die, literally watched people breathe their last breath. And one thing that nobody has ever said to me is, I wish I would have spent one more hour in the office. I didn't win that last game of Counter-Strike. If I could just go back and play one more video game, my life would be worth it. But you know what people tell me? I blew it with my family. I wish I could go back, but I can't. And, you know, it's not just at death that we talk about time or whine about... We whine about time all the time because we do stuff like this. You, you'll be in Walmart, which is like the gathering place of everybody in Palestine, you know. I, I literally do visitation at Walmart. Um, that's, that's where I go and I meet half of you all the time. And you'll be walking down the aisle and you'll see somebody you haven't seen in years and you'll recognize them and your eyes will light up and you'll see this semi-adult standing next to them and, and you look somewhere and, and you, you, you... Is that little Timmy? He's huge! Where did the time go? And you know what we're really asking? Where did my life go? Your time equals your life. And when you waste your time, you're wasting your life. What happened to my life? That's what, that's what I'm saying. What happened to my life? I turned 44 yesterday. Everybody say happy birthday. Thank you. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> Yay, you made it that far. There were, there were many, including my mom, who didn't think I would make it this far. Um, I was sitting around thinking about 44 years. I am getting up there. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. And Jeff's more up there than I am. Well, I started thinking about the past, and, and I pulled up some pictures. Um, I want to show you this first picture. That's Caleb! That's Caleb! Where did my life go? Where did my hair go? Yeah, that's the question that we're going to ask. Where did, yeah, thank you so much for noticing. By the way, I noticed two of the band members are bald. I think that ought to be a requirement to get on this stage. You ought to have to be bald. So Nate and Keith, it is time to uh, get rid of some hair. Anyway, um, Caleb is 13 and, and he's in here with us, sits on the front row when he's not back there serving. He, he serves in the little kids area and, and the smaller children know him much better than they know me. They don't have a clue who I am, but they see Caleb. Caleb! Here's another picture. 
That's Rachel's first Easter. She's pretty happy about it too. That bonnet on her. There's some hair. Look at that. Yeah, I got some hair going on there. Here's another one. There's Janie. She looks the same. I'm glad she hadn't lost her hair. Um, here's, is there another one? I don't even remember. Oh, there they are today. That's Kayla. Next week, Rachel promotes out of the children's area. This is her last Sunday in the children's area, and she's going to be in here. And I'm going, oh, dear Lord, where did my life go? Where did my 20, what do I have to show for my 20s? Janie and I got married when I was 26. She was 24. And I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, when she got her first job and I had my first job, I was going to seminary. There was a point after we'd been uh, married about a year, we were saving $1,600 per month. Where is it? I mean, where is the money? What do I have to show for that? What do I have to show for my 30s? I'm almost halfway through my 40s. Where did my life go? And, and I think a lot of you, when you sit around, you start thinking, what do I have to show for my life? Now, I want to know, how many of you have watches on? I've had to quit wearing watches because I'm a big watch person, but, but I've got this thing, this tumor that grows on my arm when I go. So, so I, if you don't have a watch, how do you tell time? Cell phones, right. Okay. So even if you don't have a watch on today, some of you could, all of us, there's a clock back there. It means nothing to me, but it is back there, so I can see it. Um, it doesn't mean anything to any preacher. But, but if we needed to, any of you here, I could say, what time is it? And you could find out what time it is. But that's not the most important question you need to ask today. The most important question we need to consider today is, what am I doing with my time? Not, not what time is it. We can find that out. But the most important thing is, what am I doing with my time? Am I investing my time wisely? Um, because your life, your time equals your life. And uh, we're spending this time, we're spending our lives little by little every day. And are we spending it wisely? Let me ask you some questions since we're in this whole question series. Is it wise to spend time in church every week? Is it wise to spend time in small groups every week? Is it wise for people to give up this time and serve back in our children's area? That, that first picture I showed you of, of Caleb and Rachel, that was right before he moved into big church um, where, we, where we used to serve. And uh, he was three. So at four, he comes into big church. And, and we were talking about that. Some of you were going, oh... Can you imagine, West Coast, can you imagine Jonathan in big church? John John in big church? Oh my goodness. Is it wise for those people to give up their time so that you can sit in here and you can spend a little bit of time worshiping God without worrying about whether your kids are, are, are going to um, bite your neighbor or kick somebody? I mean, is that wise? The Bible says that, that we really need to pay attention. Look at Psalm 90, 12. Teach us how short our lives really are so that we may be wise. God keeps using that word, wise. And here's the deal. Um, the Bible is saying to us that, that wise people realize that we don't get a do-over. And, and if, you, if, if we say that, that lack of wisdom, unwise people are on this side, 
And if we say that wisdom is all the way over here, the Bible says recognizing that your time on earth is short is like taking a huge step towards wisdom, away from fools. The Bible calls unwise people fools, and I have played the fool, and I don't like it, and I don't think you like it either. If you want to move towards wisdom today, the first step today is recognizing my time is short. How are you using your time? And I'm hoping that today you're going to take a step towards wisdom. And, and if you want to do that, I want you to pay attention. We're going to look at five statements that are on your listening guide. And, and these, these are very profound, but you've probably heard them before. And we're going to look at how these statements relate to your life, to your time. And we're going to try to figure out how to be wise in spending our lives. First statement. There is a cumulative value and, and, Wes and Alex used to sit around when I was in youth ministry and if I would use a big word, you could, they wouldn't say it out loud, but they'd be sitting back at the computer and you'd see them turn and they'd go, good word. You know, they, cumulative. You know, they would, if I had, if I'd used a different word and, so cumulative, all that is is a big word. It's, everybody say good word. You can use that one. Cumulative just means it adds up. So here's the deal. There is cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period of time. Somebody give me the, the most obvious example of this. If you invest small amounts of time in certain activities, you show a benefit over a long period of time. What's the most obvious example? What church? But Bible? No, no. What's, what's the most obvious example? Ex not eating. Exercise, the opposite of wisdom. I'm over here when it comes to taking care of my body. Um, exercise. If you spend little amounts of time in exercise three or four times a week over the next six months, would you notice a difference in your body? Would everyone else who knows you notice a difference in your body? Yes. What about... Uh, this goes for all kinds of activities. Musicians get better if they spend small amounts of time in their craft over a long period of time, they get better. Athletes, yes, they get better. Anything. It goes for computers, photography, whatever it is. Can you see how if you just spend a little bit of time in whatever activity you choose over a long period of time, you would be better than you were at the beginning? Does that make sense? That's where we're going with all this. But now, consistency is the key. And, and we've got to admit, and this is, this is us, this is humans, there is also very little value in one segment of time. This is why we talk ourselves out of going to the gym. Ah, oh, it's not going to hurt me if I miss one. No big deal. And, and that's right. What will it hurt if I go off my diet this one time? If I miss one workout? The reality is it will not cause the earth to stop rotating around the sun. If you miss one installment of time, the real value of exercising or dieting comes not from one deposit of time, but many, many deposits of time over a long value of time. Consistency is the key. Now, apply this idea to your family. What would be the value if you were to spend four or five nights a week over the next 12 months eating dinner with your family? Do you think you would have some good value to show for those investments of time? Sure you would. But what if you miss one meal? Is your family going to fall apart? No, your family's not going to fall apart. It, what, if you, what if you were to tuck your children in six or seven nights a week for the next year? Would you have any value to show in that relationship after the year is over? Sure you would. What is the value of missing one of those things? It's not going to cause 
your kids to, to, to go rob a bank? The one installment of time is not the deal. It's consistency over a long period of time. And, and you know, any one meal, you may not have uh, a great conversation, but you start storing up those things and you never know the value and what your kids are going to latch on to that they will remember as you're sitting around having that meal or as you're tucking them into bed at night or that. Now, what would be the value of spending one meal, eating one meal with your family in the next 12 months? One. How much value would there be? None. How much value would there be if you tucked your children in one, once in the next 12 months? Not, not a lot. Do you have spiritually if you go to church once in the next year? Go to church once in the next year. Not much. Even once a month, what kind of value are you going to have? If you come to church once a month, think about it this way. How well are you going to do physically if you eat once in the next 30 days? You see, we, we, we know how to eat. I know how to eat. I was so sick last night. I had my birthday meal. I had steak and salad and rolls and baked potatoes. And then Janie fixed ultra deluxe fat sopapilla cheesecake. And I ate everything on my plate. And then I sat there like job of the hut. And I actually got indigestion and I was taking Rolaids and I had to do Alka-Seltzer. Oh, I was, I was hurting. Um, that was not wise. Uh, but if I only ate one meal a month, you see, we think that if we come to church once a month or once a year, then God owes us wisdom? And we get ticked off at God? God, how come you're leading me down the wrong path? Well, the, the value is not in one time coming to church. The value is in consistently spending time with God, your heavenly Father, who wants you to be wise. And in James, he says, if you don't have wisdom, ask and I'll give it to you. Small investments of time in church, in Bible study, in, in, in reading your Bible by yourselves, that adds up to wisdom over a long period of time. Janie and I come to church regularly. Why? Well, I get paid for one thing, but beyond that, if I weren't paid to come to church, I'd be at church every Sunday because it's a value that we have. Janie and I, every week, we, we know that at 11 o'clock, we're going to be worshiping with our, with our church family. She's worshiping with the, the 18 months to three-year-olds. And she'll come home and she'll say, my class is awesome today. My kids are getting it. And she'll tell me what happens. And she's just so full of life and joy because she has invested time over a year in some of your children and she sees them catching on. And some of y'all have told us, my kids said this. They understand this story. How did they? Because somebody invested over a long period of time, small amounts of time, life into them, teaching them about God. We would be here. We spend, we know every week we're going to be at church because there's value in that. Every week we're going to have, we're going to spend two hours in small groups. And, and you know, not every week do we have the, the deepest discussion and the most God-moving prayer times. That doesn't happen every week. But we make that a priority because we love our small group. We love getting to know people more than just at a surface level. We love seeing God work in other people. And so we make that time for small group. We could do other things, but we make time for small group. But, you know, if we miss small group once, Janie was gone to preteen camp, 
A couple of weeks ago, she missed, and, and Hannah was doing a program over at First Baptist, and I missed. My small group still survived. I don't preach every Sunday. Church survives. The one installment of time is not such a big deal. It's the consistent installments of time over a long period of time. Now, here's the second point. I've belabored this, but here it is. There are rarely any immediate consequences for neglecting single deposits of time in any area of life. Neglect your health for one day. Which I did yesterday. I kept saying, it's my birthday. It's my birthday. I can, I can, I can eat like an idiot because it's my birthday. And I had a, an all-you-could-drink large Coke that cost like 55 bucks at the movie theater. Something like that. Um, so I was going to get my money's worth. I was, gonna, and then, uh, I, oh man, I just totally blew it yesterday, and and I'm still here. So there's no negative consequences in one day of neglecting my health. Miss your Bible study one day, nothing. Miss dinner with your family one time, and your family's not going to fall apart. You miss church, you sleep in one Sunday. Church is not going to close its doors. But be careful. Ephesians five fifteen says, "Be very careful how you live." Because when you neglect one installment of time, what happens is it becomes easier to neglect the next installment of time. And when you have neglected, when that becomes a pattern of life, neglecting, third point, neglect has a cumulative effect. Neglect your yard for a year and what do you get? My yard. That's what you get. Neglect your car for a year. What do you get? My car. Um, <laughs> we keep praying that it'll get well and we're laying hands on it. Oh God, you are the healer. Uh, that doesn't work. Um, neglect your, your wife for a year. And if you don't notice it, everybody else does. Neglect your children for a year. And everybody else notices there are consequences to show for neglect. Now, let's, let's spend a little time on number four. There is a cumulative value to the urgent things. There's no cumulative value to the urgent things that we allow to interfere with the most important things in our lives. All right. Back in January, actually December of 2006, but January 2007 is when we joined the Y. And we were told when we joined the Y that the average person makes it to March and then they quit. We made it to May. So we're above average. Um, and then all of a sudden May hit and our lives went crazy. And so here I am. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what is the value to my life of what I did instead of going to the Y. Because we noticed, uh, we, we were in shape by the, by the time we got to May. We loved going three or four times a week. We enjoyed that. Janie and I would work out together. She would go and drop the girls off at gymnastics. She would go work out and we just, we enjoyed it. And, and when we went to Red River last year and we climbed the mountain, we made it so much better than the year before when we hadn't been working out. And, uh, then May, Hit and, and I started thinking, what did I do instead of going to work out? I think one day I took a nap. Um, one day I went to Walmart. One day, maybe several days, I watched TV because I was just too pooped to go. And I started adding up. What is the value of all the things I did instead of working out? You know what the value was? 
no thing. You add up all of the things that you do instead of doing what is important. Because we could sit around, what'd you do? I don't know. Well, what'd you do instead of hanging out with your kids this day? I don't know. I don't know where my life went. I wasted my life. And, and what kind of value do you have? Nothing. You've got nothing to show for it. And then your kids are getting married. They're leaving the house. And, and you know, we've talked about this in the children's, in, in PG-13, when we talked about dialing in the right influences and dialing out the bad influences. Because what you want is not control, because you obviously don't have control from the time they're born. What you want is influence in your kids' lives. When, when they're the teenage years, if you've not been pouring in consistent amounts of time, over a long period of time, you have zero influence. And what you have, the cumulative value in your life is zero from the things you did instead of pouring value into your wife and your children. And, and you know, that's, what is the cumulative value to all the things that a college freshman does instead of studying? Nothing. Zero. Add it all up. What, what is the cumulative value of all the things you did instead of eating with your family, instead of taking your wife on dates, instead of hanging out and playing with your children? What is the value you have today? Nothing. And see, so many people make unwise decisions. We talk about that. We're filled. We admit it. You know, we just say we're, we're dumb and we've messed up and we admit that. We're, people say, I don't want to go to church because we're a bunch of hypocrites. And we say, come on, because we're all hypocrites. You'll be one of us. We make unwise decisions because we don't spend time with God. We don't, we don't put that value in spending time with God on a consistent basis. And over a period of time, those investments in church, in Bible study, in reading my Bible on a daily basis, in praying, the result of all that is I become wise. And you know that's a supernatural thing. Because I'm a dork. Proverbs 9.10 says, Wisdom begins with respect for the Lord. And understanding begins with knowledge, with knowing the Holy One. Wisdom begins with what? Respect for God. And if you want understanding in your life, then you've got to go to God. Look, look at Proverbs 21.30. There is no wisdom, understanding, or advice that can seed against the Lord. Would, would it be safe to say that we are a people that makes decisions all the time without consulting God. Is that, is that a safe assumption? Any of you ever been down the wrong path and go, how did I get here? Any of you been down the wrong path and, and get mad at God for allowing you to go? How dare He allow me to go down the wrong path when I totally ignore Him, when I totally do my own thing? Your time cannot be saved. It's already been spent. And uh, the question is, did you invest it wisely? You see, there's a tremendous value in hanging out with wise people. Some of it rubs off. There's a tremendous value in meeting together on a regular basis with other Christians who are doing the Christian life right. There's tremendous value in meeting in small groups, in homes, on a weekly basis. And my question to you is, what do you have to show for the things you did instead of church or instead of going to small group? What is the cumulative value of the things you did instead? And I know the answer to that. It's nothing. 
We're starting Financial Peace University in three weeks. And some of you are like regurgitating, you're, you're vomiting. I wish you wouldn't say that. Um, well, get used to it because I'm going to wear you out over the next three weeks. Because I've already heard people say, I can't afford it. But let's just be real gut level honest. And I'm not trying to throw stones at anybody. Because this is not, there's a bunch of people, I can't afford $93. Well, let's just stop and consider that. If your car breaks down, Wes and I were talking about this last week. If your car breaks down and it costs 93 bucks to get it fixed, you're actually doing backflips. Woohoo! 93 bucks? You'll come up with 93 bucks. Your favorite concert artist is going to be at the Anderson County Youth and Livestock Rodeo. And it's 93 bucks a ticket. You're going to find the money to come up with it. There's a gadget that you just want, whether it's a saw or a gun or a new pair of shoes. 90, it's just $93. You'll, you'll find the money to do that. And so what, what I just want you to be honest enough to say, and I know I've, I've just ticked off a lot of you. I just want you to be honest enough to say, Financial peace is not important enough for me to come up with 93 bucks. Now, I, I'm not trying to guilt anybody into it. I just want you to be honest. Because I'm gonna, there, there's a group of people that are gonna spend the next 13 weeks, or starting in three weeks, 13 Sunday nights, learning how to do finances better. Because most of us in here are not experts. And so we're going to an expert who had millions of dollars in his 20s, lost it all and started doing things the right way. The, the intro to his book, he says he thanks his wife for sticking with him while he made while he learned everything the hard way. Because he was broke. And he's rebuilt his wealth, doing things God's way, and he spends his life now teaching other people how to do finances God's way, and it works. And my question to you is, those, those of you who, who can't afford it or you, you're not going to make it a priority... What is going to be the cumulative value of the things you do on those 13 Sunday nights when we get to the first Sunday in December and we finish up this thing and all of us are going, oh, wow, why didn't somebody teach me this before? And, and we come to the people who didn't make it a priority. And I say to you, what, what were you doing for 13 weeks, 26 hours? What are you doing? What do you have to show for it? And people are going to say, I got nothing. Um, don't get mad at me for speaking truth. If you're saying you can't afford it, then you need it as much as any of us. God, I wish somebody had taught me when JD and I, before we had kids. 1600 We could have paid cash for our first house. We didn't. Number five, here's why this is such a big deal. In the critical areas of life, you cannot make up for lost time. When I was in college, um, I would wait till the night before a big test and I would cram. And I'd be drinking as much coffee and tea as I could possibly stand trying to stay up, and then I'd stumble into my class. And I, I would usually do all right. Um, when I had to do a, a research paper, 
This is just the way I work. Um, you know, we would have to turn in little things like bibliography cards, you know. So I would do just enough during the semester that, that my teacher wouldn't flunk me. And then I would set aside, I would mark it on the calendar, I would circle a weekend. And by a weekend, I mean my classes usually finish about noon on Fridays. I would go home at noon and start working then, and I would work until I could not see straight. I'd take a couple hour nap, and then I'd keep working until I'd get my research paper done, and I would stumble into class on Monday morning, and I would turn my research paper in, and, and I did nothing that whole weekend except my research paper, and I would do okay. But real life doesn't work like a college course. If you've neglected your family, I don't care what Hollywood tells you in some of these unrealistic movies when they don't speak to each other for five years and then they have one night of passion and everything's great. I don't care how romantic the weekend is. If you've had a pattern of neglect in your family, one weekend is not going to fix it. And the really important things in life, you can't cram. You can't cram for a better relationship. Relationships are built on small, consistent deposits of time over a long period of time. And if you miss those opportunities, you cannot make up for them. Now, you can say, I'm going to do better. I'm going to start now and I'm going to do better. But that's investing in the future. You can't invest in the past. That's already done. God loves you and He is... He has set a limit on the amount of time you have on this planet. You can't go past that limit. And it is this God who has said to us, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5. So be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely. I want you to remember these five words. Use every chance you have for doing good. Because these are evil times. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. That phrase, use every chance you have, literally means to redeem your time. It means to squeeze every ounce of life out of your time because your time equals your life. Wise people do this. Unwise people don't. Unwise people miss those daily, weekly, monthly opportunities to deposit 20 or 30 minutes in the most important relationships of their lives and then they come to a point and they say, what happened? I don't know him. I don't know her. I don't even know my child. We could look back and we could see a pattern of neglect. And it's coming back to roost. Most of you in this room didn't have consistent deposits of time from the most important people in your lives when you were growing up and you were making those critical decisions that would affect the trajectory of your lives. Most of you did not have God dialed in when you made the biggest mistake of your life. Most of you did not have your parents dialed in. Most of you were not dialed into a group of people who wanted to see you succeed. They wanted to see you fail. And if you could go back, you would. And you would change that. You can't. But you can start now and dial in those influences and make investments in your future. We've got to have patterns of doing the right things over a long period of time. And what we will get at the end is value to our lives. So, in light of what we've discussed today, what is the wise thing for you to do with your time? 
Now, some of you are going to need to stop doing some things. They're not necessarily bad, they're just not necessary. You're wasting your time in something that might add value to you, but doesn't add value to the most important relationships in your life, and you may need to stop doing something. But I want you to look on your listening guides. There are four words at the bottom. And I'm going to give you a few seconds, actually a minute, 60 seconds. And I want you to consider one thing you could do in each of those areas, one small thing that you could begin doing on a consistent basis that at the end of six months or 12 months would add value to your life. You've got four words, physically, relationally, spiritually, and financially. What is one wise thing you could do in each of those areas? I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Go. Let's pray together. Father, teach us to number our days. We all assume we have a tomorrow, and that's why death catches us so off guard. Help us to, um, to recognize when we've neglected the important things for urgent things that really don't matter. And help us start doing that today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.